Jen and Johnny from Trius, pronounced like Prius, a Sydney-based architecture firm. We we sort of lined this up with like an hour of um, prep and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we like it we like it fast and unpredictable so and let's I think just roll <laughs> yeah last minute kind of works with the conversational style of the podcast as well which we have been listening to yes and we very love much it. Enjoying. it's fantastic we're huge fans <laughs> but um you guys were just talking to me about when you first started off and started very young kind of like 25 well, we started, um, we actually started when we were finishing uni because in, I think, just before our last semester, we um, entered a competition, um, which was a housing competition, just a local one up in Sydney, and we won the student category of it. And then we actually got a call from um, a couple, from two members of the public, um, and they called us up out of the blue and said, we want you to design a house for us. And we were, like, shitting ourselves because we had sort of, you know, worked as student architects in firms for a little while and, you know, had just finished our degree essentially but had never done something with that level of commitment or responsibility. Um, But we're big yes people so we just sort of said, yep, let's do it Um, and met up with them, kind of told them how it was and they just really loved what we did. And um, They didn't care that we just graduated, they you know, had this crazy sense of faith in our capacity to actually deliver the project. Yeah, and I think they sort of loved the fact that we were young and that we were starting out and um, they sort of wanted to be part of that. Yeah, so we were really, really lucky to find them um, and they became our first clients. And then Johnny and I sort of progressed into graduate jobs at different firms up here in Sydney and then I guess gradually sort of weaned our way off working for other people because you know, one or two more projects came in. Um, We sort of won a couple more competitions and then gradually we sort of felt like we had the confidence to start a practice. And, um, yeah, so far so good. (laughs) It's interesting because mixed in there, like it sounds like this kind of um, very clear um, linear process that we went through. But, you know, amongst that were plans to move overseas and then, you know, there was like are we even going to get enough work and, you know, it was – yeah, you know, it wasn't the kind downs. of smoothest sailing process, and we were, you know, <laughs> like we were doing the classic thing. We were kind of moonlighting on the side of our grad jobs as well, which means you're you're kind of working more than seven days a week almost, um, which yeah. you know, can be pretty exhausting. But um, we definitely had the energy then, and hopefully, still have it now because it's it's not that far along. Probably need it more now. Were, so. you, yeah. Yeah. were you guys finding when you were doing um, the moonlighting at the other studios that there was a lot of, oh, so so how do you guys set up your invoices? Could you just like put some on a USB stick for us kind of thing? Like were you kind of at those other jobs gearing up for the thing that you were doing on the side or was it like asking for advice? Uh, I mean, how did you kind of figure out those that first project and how to conduct yourself? It's really interesting because we actually, uh, Casey, the third third kind of uh, trio of trias, um, just did a presentation today on our invoices and, and um, fee, fee proposals for um, the small practice seminar up in Sydney. And we made a really conscious decision, even while we were in other practices, to just kind of, while we had a great respect for everything they did and the way they did it, to, um, to kind of develop everything from first principles which is super labor intensive. I'm not sure I would recommend it. It's kind of nice to stand on the shoulders of history and (laughs) build on what other people have done first. But, you know, there are kind of a few things that we didn't 
you know, we weren't super enamored with on the way that, um, say, people built fees in the industry. So we kind of, you know, stripped it right back and just go went, okay, how are we going to do this um, our yeah. way? And that kind of that attitude just ran through everything, um, the way we draw, the way we model. Yeah, I think also because we did start quite young, we, um, we didn't really have any serious time under one person that became the sort of benchmark for what we did. So that time under a singular mind or a singular tutor to sort of go, well, this is what they do and we're going to take that and replicate it. Our experience is quite eclectic and even Johnny's worked um, across big practice, small practice, furniture, um, graphic design. Um, I've worked in a range of small practices um, Casey was sort of in a couple of practices in Sydney and Melbourne. So between us, we just had this really eclectic set of experiences and we sort of went more um, from the base up and then we'd just call people every now and then with a bit more experience and say, this is kind of what we're thinking, how do you do it, and just have conversations around the particular things that you sort of struggle through in a small practice. You know, and again, sometimes being the sort of um, smallest fish in the pond or the least smart person in the room is a fantastic position to be in because people can actually be extremely helpful. And, you know, a lot of people have been through the stuff we're going through now before. So you just ask and a lot Mm. of people help, you know, it can be that simple sometimes. Which is slightly counter to our marketing strategy, but but broadly we we try and avoid the whole fake it till you make it kind of attitude. Like we, if we don't know how to do something, we are kind of the first people to try and say that, um, which has been actually an amazing way to learn from clients, builders, other architects, engineers, you know, everything. Even just to, to lather on the compliments you yourself, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Drop back in your direction. <laughs> when I actually think about the slogan that you guys have, the sort of solid, simple, beautiful thing, I think that it comes across in the Instagram, it comes across in the website. I imagine it comes across in Casey's invoicing and fee proposal presentation as well, that our, our fee proposals are solid, simple, and beautiful. You know, there's <laughs> this sort of... There's a consistency to it. I just I just sort of wonder whether they're two separate projects or if there's something... I, I am talking about the kind of business side of things and the part that you're actually the, the client-facing design services, legacy, mm. creative kind of side of things. Mm. Um, whether one of them is kind of really getting out of the way for the other one. And I think my, my gut is that the design is something that's just totally coming first. And then you're kind of grabbing from different areas of experience that the three of you have had. Mm. But it's starting to actually look like a new kind of business model and I'm always I am always curious to find out where the kind of innovation in the actual business model of how you do um, of how you do the architecture <laughs> I think the um, one of the big things for us is that um, the three of us are very curious and we're curious across lots of different areas of design and business and strategy and so we try and approach things from a lot of different angles at once and sort of you know see what works see what sticks and see where things go so in some ways the way that we're modeling our business is quite traditional but then we're also trying to implement um, a lot of new things that are coming up in business around um, efficiency of time or efficiency of workflow um, to sort of maximize the time that we can spend on design Um, But we're also very quickly figuring out that that's a real challenge in small business because, as I'm sure you know from talking to lots Mm. of different um, architects, when you are actually one having to, you know, send out all the emails and, you know, reply to every job application and every marketing request and so on, that can very easily eat into your time. Um, And then suddenly, Mm. you know, you don't get the time to design, um, put work out there. So it is a sort of ongoing challenge, but I think that 
we're sort of constantly picking up tips from, you know, books we're reading or podcasts we're listening to or, mm-hmm. um, you know, bits and pieces around, you know, how to be more productive or how to sort of streamline particular processes. I guess because there's the three of us as well, we um, try as much as we can to play to one another's strengths. So um, Johnny, for example, is extremely efficient um, at rendering. So he's been it's been fantastic having that skill set in the studio because we can produce these really high-quality images for our clients and for marketing. I think what's also kind of interesting about that is that we have quite a laborious um, or, or slow, I guess, um, design process. Just after you ask that question, question i did this almost like little flowchart sketch where i thought about um how we generate work and how we sort like how we get clients and and that we didn't have the the luxury per se of um a relative that was willing to kind of have a go with us so we had to um almost throughout the process um have these kind of you know markers in which we needed to be also producing content that we could put out there to start to communicate the process of our project because that's what a lot of our clients really sign up for they really enjoy that and we're trying to kind of sell the value of design um more so than just you know you'll get a great house at the end of it interestingly that has kind of almost justified some of the laborious parts of our process where we do like taking a bit of time because we say to ourselves you know what um Maybe we lost a bit of money on that area, but there's actually a great investment in talking about the work we're doing and showing people great content. We don't have a huge number of completed projects, um, and of the ones that we have done, we actually haven't photographed or released yet. So, you know, we need to, you know, present our workflow as much as to say to people, trust us, here's, here's a complete building. It's always like a question of creative and amplification. Those are like mm-hmm. when when we're talking about like marketing, um, it's really just a mix of those two things. And investing in the creative side, even if it isn't completely related to the final outcome, the building, um, although it is, it's part of that design process, you're still putting creative together that's more part of your marketing. The challenge, I guess, is in the amplification, but you guys have really picked up on, I think, how to do that and the kind of recipe for that. Mm. Especially really? on it. Especially, like, <laughs> that's I think good. so. Well, you're not spending like a whole bunch of um, money on it. I mean, it, it does come under this organic social media thing that you're doing. You're putting the creative out there. It's strong. People are organically interested in it and they're coming across it. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of firms that can, that are doing that. They're, they're putting stuff out, but it's going to a very, very limited audience because the creative isn't just so strong because the creative is the final building product. It's photos of the building, but there isn't a lot of, documentation um of the creativity along the process so there isn't a whole lot of content there the visuality of the things that you're making the models and the samples and 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 that sort of stuff um you're getting a kind of two for one deal on stuff that your clients are paying for it's ultimately things that are massively helpful to your business so that's that's when that's it's amazing when those two things can be the same thing as each other we've kind of had the luxury of of a while before we've kind of started doing the instagram was uh kind of very much under promising and over delivering because we're always putting that extra mile in in order to kind of develop it into content that we could put out there as as solid creative work but now we're getting people that are coming and saying you know they do look at our instagram and they say okay i want i want that Mm -hmm. and so they know what we do so we um are also always having to lift our game do you think you guys are done with competitions Oh, good question. That's a great question. I'm going to say no. I think that at the end of the day, competitions are 
really, really good opportunity for young practices to um, to build their reputation and to sort of build their reach um, mm. and also to test ideas and just sort of start moving into different realms of work and that sort of thing. That being said, we've done a lot of competitions over the last couple of years and we are starting to learn to be sceptical of what kind of competitions you enter why you do them and how much time you put into them because mm-hmm. um, they do sink a lot of resources. Especially the way we choose to do them. A lot of people do competitions to stretch their legs and test out ideas because they feel um, pigeonholed by maybe some of the projects that they have on the books. We, while we always want to explore ideas, um, we kind of, of people, go all or nothing. We, well, we, yeah. we, we don't do a competition unless we really want to win it and we yeah. know we can win it. Yeah. A lot of people, I think in practice, maybe they don't admit it to themselves, but they do competitions because they've had an idea and they want to just kind of see how it plays out. For us, we kind of decided that if we were going to be putting in a whole bunch of resources and time, that we wouldn't do it unless we knew we could win it, um, potentially get a building out of it or at least some money to remunerate our efforts. Um, mm, or some good marketing content is the other thing because, you know, mm-hmm. from our perspective, content that you take to 80% is nowhere near as good as content that you take to 100%. And I think Mm. that part of the reason why people have been responding really well to our work is because it's really thoughtful and really meticulously put together. That's part of what we want to do as architects. And so we've kind of got to present everything with that through that lens and with that attention to detail. Yeah, we found it really interesting sort of talking to other practices because we find a lot of people sort of say, oh, you know, it's competition, you just throw it in an idea and, you know, the best idea wins. But we we treat competitions like projects. We put a lot of hours into them and sort of don't see the point of you know, putting mm. in half the effort because yeah. if you put in 100%, you actually get something that is almost as marketable as a real project. What's interesting about what Jen said was she, she said, but, you know, we put a lot of hours into them and, and actually a lot of those hours actually are after the fact. So if we do well in a competition, we often, and this is maybe how we ensure that, that we're kind of getting a lot out of it in terms of idea generation, we actually go back and reflect on them and often produce more work like we continue to treat it like a project some of the kind of work on our website is is competition work that then we go back and we actually present it like it's a real and ongoing project and that seems to have been quite useful and helpful for us both again in terms of creating great content um Mm. And also refining our design thinking. You know, if we have a if we have a kind of slow month and don't have heaps of design work going on, we kind of look back on those kind of old competition schemes and you know try and inject some new life into them. <laughs> Sorry, we like to rant. We love to no, good. So you're like the, you're the most amazing <laughs> guest. Do you guys want me to go just like go get a coffee and I'll come back in like yeah. five minutes and see where you're at? Yeah, totally. Oh, <laughs> no, no, That's seriously. Terrible. It's it, what were you going to say, Jen? Uh, I was just going to say that I think an interesting thing about doing competitions for us has been it's allowed us to sort of establish a position and show the industry and our clients and all these people in the world what we care about much Mm. earlier than traditionally what's possible when, you know, you sit around waiting for the right client to call. I think that so many young architects feel so disempowered by the process as it's traditionally presented to us. So, Mm. you know, there's this sort of lineage where you go and you either work your way up a a ladder of practices or you, you know, work in a practice for five years, get the confidence and the skills and then start what you're doing. Hope to maybe get some referrals from that process to get the right kind of clients, get the right kind of work to, you know, start winning awards and, and so on and so forth or you have you know the sort of family members who give you that amazing block of land where you get to do the kind of jewelry box first project 
neither of those things was going to work for us. Our bank um, balance didn't have five years to complete that many programs. <laughs> um, but what we did have was our nights and weekends and we had a lot of energy off the back of being university students and we had skills in those areas. And so we kind of went, well, this is what we care about as architects and we went out and, you know, looked for competitions that um, focused on the things we care about, on sort of attention to detail and small spaces and the kind of ideas of solid, simple, beautiful that Trias is founded on. We started to make our own portfolio through competition work. We haven't actually answered your original question. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I'm, <laughs> su- I'm super, <laughs> I'm super, super interested to hear, like, when you just on the practical level, when you go looking for these competitions, yeah. and you said, you know, we 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 don't just look for something to have a go out and stretch mm-hmm. our legs. We're looking to win. What are the signs that you pick up on, or, or what do you go looking for that shows that you sense the weakness, like that the field is easy for the taking? You know, how do you? What sticks out to you when you see a good competition and where do you look for those kinds of competitions? The the funny thing is some the things that often stand out as as you as you called it weakness, like these kind of opportunities to to strike <laughs> whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, are often are often also the red flags that it could be an absolutely terrible competition. You know, you, you do make missteps where you kind of put a lot of effort into something and then realize that it was actually, you know, they never were intending to build it and they just signed on a construction company's name and just, you know, had it there ready to go. So Johnny's um, talking about a particularly bad experience we had where mm. so, so what so things to look for and things not to look for. Don't look for companies that competition organizers. That competition organizers horrible. can often be quite they horrible. are a blight on yeah. our <laughs> industry. They essentially like anything that we've we've done one competition before where you had to pay to enter. Mm. And anything like that um I guess is my advice if I were to be so presumptuous to, to younger kind of students of architecture and stuff that are trying to do stuff outside of, um, of uni is that they're just basically there to generate a whole bunch of money themselves. Uh-huh. They give a very small amount out in prize winning fees and they often trump up the projects to look far more impressive than they actually are, which is, you know, it's just unfortunate. But then in saying that, um, we got a lot of publicity from one of these competitions and uh, that helped build our profile a lot. So it actually was an, a sunk cost. You know, there was a lot of value in that. So I guess, us. I mean, I guess the way we pick competitions, um, we pay really close attention to scale. So even though, you know, we hope in the next, you know, few years or whatever to be, more capable of taking on bigger projects. The reality is at this point in time, our experience lies more closely in, say, residential work. So we tend to take on stuff that fits within that or as an offshoot of that. And so it so often looks at the domestic. The competition, yeah. So mm-hmm. so things that examine sort of living in the domestic. So the competitions that we've been targeting over the last little while are either all housing competitions of various scales or we've been doing a lot of sort of cabin designs and things that take that learning that we've learned from residential work into a slightly more advanced or public sphere. So the first Maybe project we completed is a better way of yeah, but it's it's yeah. we're building on the foundations we have as opposed to going oh we presume that we, we know how to design a museum, <laughs> you know. I'm and sure while we'd we love to there, do a library, it's also yeah, it's, it's much harder, and that's where it goes back to that hours and commitment thing. You know, yeah. the, the reality is at this stage of our career for us to design a sort of exceptional museum to the level that we'd be happy presenting it is going to be so mm. much harder. And it would just throw your office into disarray as Probably. well. You'd, you'd have to be 
you would have to be going, oh, God, we need to hire seven people in the next fortnight. This is going to exactly. get weird. we got to move offices. we got to <laughs> just get like, we got to start paying for Adobe. Like everything would just go wrong like really, really quickly. So, but <laughs> I didn't know that there were cabin competitions. So, yeah. how does that work? They're actually going to, so there's somebody out there, do they want to live in the cabin? But they're using, a, or is it somebody who's like a tourism counselor or a, yeah. a hospitality? Lots like of a, them are for tourism, yeah. So yeah. Like it's a national park or something. Or, or a tourism organisation run through a particular country. So the cabin that we just did in the UK over in Wales was essentially run by a conglomerate of bodies who are all invested in Welsh tourism. And so mm. they ran this international competition to build a bunch of little hiking cabins that people could go and stay in to celebrate the Welsh landscape. So those sorts of things are a lot more common overseas and we've done a few of those sorts of competitions now. Because I remember being at uni and obviously a lot of people were doing competitions, but it all seemed like they were being run by these kind of pamphlet architecture zine people Mm -hmm. and it was to go into a little catalogue that they would sell like 50 copies of. But people were pouring in just ridiculous ridiculous hours into these competitions like teams of 10 people it it was it was absolutely insane and i didn't i think does it take much digging to get to those really sweet ones where you go oh my god there's actually like a tourism council or a city government or something's behind this that's actually giving it a lot of legitimacy it looks like money's there you do a bit of due diligence and yeah. yeah, we try to, or we just go to reputable sources in the first place. So we look at places like Architects Journal in the UK. They've got fantastic competition mm. portals. Um, and again, it's more sort of geared towards big stuff. So jobs where you go, yeah, we have no chance in hell basically. But then occasionally these little ones pop up and you kind of go, oh, cool, you know, let's go compete in Europe. Won't that be fun? Mm. Sort of thing. <laughs> the, ca- the cabins were an interesting example though because we did one and then um, – just got a deluge of people um, in the industry saying, just sending us competitions, going, oh, this you do this kind of thing, don't you? And so there were other people just doing the work for us in a lot of ways. You know, we just kind of yeah. had to, to filter out the ones that we were like, oh, that's not really uh, you yeah. know, our So there's, there's a lot of people going, oh, this really um, reminded me of that cabin that yeah, you did. Exactly. You might be interested in yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah, But they didn't want to do it. They weren't interested. What were they doing? Oh, sometimes. Well, well we actually we actually have, you know, like everyone, you know, there's always these sort of talk, loose talks of our collaboration or doing work with people over in Europe and stuff like that, for example. But um, often, yeah, often they just didn't, always didn't kind of pan and, out. So the yeah. one in the UK was meant to be in partnership with someone who Some would do delivery Denmark, yeah. um, out of Denmark and they just got busy or something, you know, something comes up and, um, you, you know, just we just yeah. went for it anyway. <laughs> It, it sounds like a really good way to approach it if you are kind of like 24, 25 starting a firm. Um, but but unless you've got that that relative, um, it's yeah. – yeah, I mean, you've mentioned it several times and it's so <laughs> true. It's so true, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it comes across a little chippy, but uh, – <laughs> But but you know I think we've I think most of us have that chip and it's um you still you still kind of feel like that's a that's a valid way to sort of start a practice but you wouldn't necessarily see it as being something that you look to as a source of growth in the future unless you're thinking like bigger competitions for bigger briefs or are you going to always be doing just scaling up the level of ambition with the competitions I think that it's probably the latter you know we'll probably just scale up the ambition because it's you know, front-end design, probably a strength of ours and, mm. you know, being able to kind of, like a lot of a lot of people are great at front-end design, but um, Jen's skills say in um, 
actually building narrative and communicating that design in a really kind of clear way that gets people on board. And I'm, I'm not saying the kind of Danish Bjark Ingels kind of school of like clear. It's kind of um, you pitch the process and, and, and kind of the way of kind of getting into great design and that kind of thing. If you can do that in a competition seems to help st- make you stand out from the pack. And so we'll probably like, we'll still want to kind of leverage that, mm. Um, mm. you know, all of those kind of things that we spent years um, that in our toolkit developing we won't, I don't think, really just suddenly move away from that and do mm. bespoke houses. Um, Something we've actually been talking about this week, this idea that I think a lot of practices start out with, you know, small residential projects and then want bigger and bigger and bigger residential projects. Um, mm. We actually really love small residential projects and we also really love, we're really fascinated by these questions of living and sort of and housing and, and how, how people live and how we as architects have interest and agency in great, creating sort of better quality spaces and fabric in our cities. And, you know, it's something that we all talk about all the time and there isn't mm. more pressing issue to address and think about. I guess the reason why I say that is because we're not necessarily striving to get out of that question and to move on to the next question. We're also quite happy That's sort so of... True. Um, mm. poking around within that because there's so much richness in it. And that richness doesn't even yeah. need to be about upping the budget. It can be about finding about new pathways and new client. ambitions um, mm. and just working with great people to produce great things that stand the test of time. We definitely focus yeah. and in our trajectory, we'll predominantly focus on domesticity, but, you know, the way people live in, you know, kind of whatever format that will be. Um, we like to think that we'd be great at doing public buildings or you know other typologies but that's we'll see <laughs> you know, yeah we'll see like we don't know and we're also just really fascinated by how people live and it's also the most kind of for us the most pressing issue of of our cities in australia mm, and the it, most relevant by far it's the most relevant yeah, right now and, and, and while we're kind of doing some bespoke projects like there's you know so much happening in terms of how we kind of build density appropriately how we you know, um, just think about housing affordability. You know, we're doing a number of projects that are kind of infill projects, um, yeah, you know, that are on mass, like prefabricated or something like that. And, you know, that's there's so much in kind that. of meat in that yeah. that um, we don't mm. feel the need to suddenly want to to leap and go do a competition for a science museum or something like that. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's like a museum crisis at no, the moment. Like, no. like, oh, this, the appalling state of, uh, <laughs> of uh, museums. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and <laughs> crumbling edifices of culture. Ex- exactly. Like, yeah. oh, somebody needs to come along and innovate in this area. It just, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's a little, like, <laughs> that's a bit mean. <laughs> What's funny about all of that actually is, is, is the first project that we, and maybe this was a slight fake until we make it kind of moment, was um, we really leveraged our graduation project as though it was, it was speculative, but as though it was um, to be treated as a, a, a real idea for the real world. That was a museum project. Which was a museum, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of fascinating that we're kind of slagging yeah. museums now. No, I mean, I, I think I think that, you know, there's so many pathways in architecture, but I think, again, if you think back to those traditional paths that a lot of people assume to be those that are successful, I think there is that idea of graduating to bigger, more mature, more budget-heavy mm. work. And mm. we're trying to be really cognizant of the fact that... Bigger budget doesn't necessarily equal better work. Yeah, and more, mm. you know, more sort of prestigious projects aren't necessarily the best way to make an impact, um, particularly now because... You know, housing is such a huge issue for so many people within and beyond the profession that it sort of deserves some love. We think so, <laughs> and it just—it's just always um, good to develop some sense of specialization and mm. and to be. 
confident to say that we are just going on a really long journey of getting really good at this type of thing. And I think especially looking at that kind of podcast with Nick, um, there are a lot of architects who are actually embracing this idea that the way architecture is going to go forward is that we are going to become these um, very entrepreneurial generalists Mm -hmm. and that that's going to be our strength. We're going to apply our creativity and problem solving and understanding of broad, Mm -hmm. um, complex systems and kind of bring it all together as this new discipline. I still think both can do really, really well. And if you guys work on small scale stuff and get more and more impressive with it constantly and have everybody go, I know exactly what they do. There's, I could describe it in a sentence. Um, there's a real sort of power to that. I'm just thinking from a, how would I run Facebook ads for them kind of perspective. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, if, yeah, this would make an AdWords campaign really straightforward, you know. But, um, <laughs> Three words, try it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, did you guys just get a call recently saying you're one of our, like, top 20 architects in the world? Can you come to London? <laughs> walk, us, walk us through, like, oh, walk us through what happened with, uh, yeah, <laughs> with, the, with the, like, World Architects Directory. That, kind Very of, kindly, yes, kindly actually, worded that's email. kind of what happened. And it was so funny because when um, we went to London and met up with the other practices that um, Wallpaper selected to be part of the directory as well, everyone was just standing there being like, yeah, we thought it was spam when we got it, everyone was sort of completely um, overwhelmed. One of the things that was really interesting about that, though, is that a lot of the practices came from smaller cities. And Mm. so it sort of spurred this whole conversation between us all about the conditions that are required to sort of form a practice, if that makes sense. Um, because you well, know, to do creative work, yeah, as well, and to, to do be des- a design-driven practice. Yeah, so we found that a lot of people were either running like super, super lean models in big cities, or were in these smaller cities, which just kind of allowed them, you know, to afford to rent space and to meet enough people to form relationships, to get clients, and like all this really banal stuff that's actually, or at least we find super interesting. Um, mm. That all around the world, everyone's kind of still trying to do the same stuff get clients, get space, make a name for themselves, you know, try stuff out on Instagram. Yeah, actually, <laughs> weirdly, I mean, I've, I've found that when I go and speak to architects in, in, in America and different parts of Europe, yeah. they're not even registering Instagram. They're like, ah, oh, architects, we don't really use that here. We all use Twitter. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? So we all use Twitter. Why would you it's do that? It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, all the, all the, um, all the British go, practices yeah. are the same. They're all oh, Twitter. It's, it's pretty it's all new, Twitter. Yeah. Like, they Twitter the and they're all, doesn't fit, the guys. does not fit, no. Like they're not on Instagram, and it's like, but you've got you've got photos. Like you've you're, yeah. you're making photos. Yeah, we perform in a visual medium, and and Instagram. I mean, Instagram. Instagram has been so critical to our practice, and it's sort of it's this way of telling stories. It's this way of sort of describing who you are, how you work, why you do what you do in this really, um, you know, if you want it to be very authentic and very genuine way, and. I think the thing that we find really fascinating about Instagram is that everyone uses it really differently and that in itself Mm. is such a reflection of what you care about and what your brand is and, um, you know, why you would go to that particular architect in the first place. And it's by far the most useful thing that we've done in terms Mm. of marketing. It's so funny though, like a bunch of the the other practices that were selected for the wallpaper directory, you know, we had lunch with a lot of them and and spoke to a number of others. And, um, you know, they, yeah, they, a few days later, suddenly Instagram accounts start popping up. (laughs) (laughs) Starting ones for their practice. And I'm like, this is great. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they've got to do it. I mean, if they're in wallpaper, obviously a lot of people are going to be looking them up, trying to link to them. Um, yeah, and we felt like we were late to the party. You know, we didn't mm. get onto social media or Instagram um, for quite some time. That's just because personally we don't use it much. Um, so then we, we had a number of people just being like, you need to do this and just mm. didn't understand it for so long and then suddenly realised that it was the best way for us to communicate our process. And, and also one of the cheapest ways. It's yes. really yes. Like, That's the biggest yeah. thing. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And it's such a um in so many ways it's democratic Instagram. I mean Whoa. we could go Whoa. into the whole <laughs> algorithm situation. I'm so um, furious about Johnny the new algorithm. Is, is um very upset by. I, I wait, hate wait, it. Wait, wait. <laughs> you're upset you're upset by the algorithm? Don't do that. The, it's here yeah, to help. The new um, no. It doesn't help us. I don't um, no, it, it helps you by having your fans not uninstall Instagram. That's that's the idea. They that's true. they they don't want it to just all explode with overload of brands pumping out stuff and people going stuff. This is kind of sucks, which is what's happened on Facebook, I reckon. But the algorithm yeah. really hasn't helped out in that situation. Or and is it actually, that it just yeah. pumps out on Facebook, but a lot of people are paying for it instead of it being organic? Yeah, it's this is a this is a whole other debate that you and I could probably have for a number of hours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's tough, and and as time goes on, um, you aren't going to get free amplification with Instagram. It's exactly. just yeah, and that, it's just that that's kind of the crux of my issue with it. That I'm like, oh, that's a bit unfortunate, and that's probably just us being a little bit sulky that we kind of missed the party at first. You know that that we may have to kind of work a little bit harder to to reach more people, but that's also okay because at the end of the day, it still appreciates and you know wants to amplify great content. And if you mm. create great content, then hopefully yeah. the system works. You could yeah. tell us if it does yeah. or doesn't, though. <laughs> no, it definitely uh, definitely does. It depends. What do you call works? I mean, is it like yeah, it really absolutely. like? I mean, Absolutely. you can get you can get more engagement on your photos and more people commenting, and you just get a general good bit of feedback. But but it it comes down to leads eventually, exactly. and and also what what is your time frame of when you expect it to pay off? Um, I think there are so many firms who I mean, good on them for being on Instagram, but they're one year, two year, three years deep in this experiment of putting in, admittedly, not a whole bunch of effort, but they've been there, they've been turning up. Um, for an extremely long amount of time, they've never seen anything come from it. I, I do have to kind of wonder, like, why didn't you think about complete alternatives to this a long time ago? I don't think I would have ever stuck with something that wasn't working for for years. If we didn't get leads off it, we probably wouldn't be using it. Well, we would be using it very differently. But you've but you've got leads from it. So it's how do those leads look? Do people do people kind of message you? Um, do, so do you get an email saying like I've been following you on Instagram, or what? Are, what are people saying to you when they come to you through Instagram? I think it's always, or so far it seems to have been. Um, it's always an in addition. It's an, it's always an in addition. So, in addition. Um, for example, we had um, a client who we met. Um, she actually she runs an awesome shop, and we went into her shop one day and started chatting to her. We're talking about what we do and what she does and all this kind of thing. And then, you know, she found us on Instagram and a week later sent us an email and was just like, I really want to work with you. Let's do a project sort of thing. In other cases, it's been more that sort of, oh, I don't really know what you do. You know, here's our site, here's the Instagram and people just sort of go to it and really love what we do and and on it goes. So I think there's always that other form of connection that's more um, human and interpersonal, but mm. we find that it's 
an amazing platform for really quickly giving people that sort of archaeology of how we work and a real sort of texture and tactility around the types of projects that we do. It has been extremely useful for, Mm. again, a young practice for people starting out to be able to present people with this, you know, your website and Instagram, which is this sort of tapestry of things, very instinctively and very quickly can see if you're a good match and Mm. go from there. So it's been, I think it's converted a lot of clients for us. Yeah. It hasn't necessarily gotten us clients immediately, but it's definitely converted people. That's so so true. You really don't have um, people's attention for that long. And Instagram is really good at sort of 15, 20 seconds, scroll down the feed. You get a Mm. very good feeling of whether Mm. that person is like a match for you. It's, it's, Mm. it has a user experience quality to it. That's can, can often be so much better than your website, but I think it's a good Mm. point of reference to your website because if there's something there that somebody finds interesting, then the job of the website is then not just to give them photos, but to give them almost that Wikipedia article about that project, like a case study. Yeah. Yeah, That can be really good. The, the other thing that I think is kind of fascinating is, I mean, Instagram five years ago was, a place where people would take photos of their, f- I mean, it still is, but you'd take photos of your food and you mm. and your friends. And it was about personal people sharing mm. what they're doing personally. It wasn't built for brands or designers to sort of share their portfolio. It's not like Behance. It's not like, um, I don't know, Archetizer or something like that. But we have all started using it that way. And I don't know where it came from, the like way to use Instagram as a designer or an architect, but we all are kind of approaching it the same way, like it has these rules that have been around for a really, really long time. Do we follow them? Um, I think a little bit. I think there's a little bit of a sense that, okay, there has to be a pretty even mix of the various sort of stages of the design process with things being finished, new concepts coming in, things halfway through production. You've got the occasional PR update of, okay, we're in this publication, which is interesting to everybody. You don't have any pictures of yourself or your clients, which is very, very common. Um, and you never, yeah, and you never ask your audience to do anything. That oh, that's we also an, debate that one. one as well. Yeah, these are the rules that I think have become so concrete, and I'm interested in your debate. Which one? Which one are you changing? Which one are you? Which one are you going to break them all? Probably. You say we're going to put photos. Of, we're going to take glam shots of ourselves, like like real, you know, oh, showbiz. No, 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 gonna, no, 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 no. And we're gonna we're gonna ask our audience to come and buy us things. <laughs> is that is that the idea? Well, well, I guess first off, like this is why we're not like Master Bryant Donnelly. Um, nothing against yeah. firms with yeah. um, names. It's like you know, we want as much to be about a collaboration and not kind of putting ourselves forward as personalities. So mm-hmm. definitely a no on the you know glam shots of ourselves, except for like the very very rare one. Um, call to action, right? Call to action. Uh, yeah, Jen, we've kind of done a couple of them, but um, want to do more, which is kind of share these, they're almost like we call them our rants, um, which we've seemed to be doing a lot of today. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> no, it's good. Um, essentially just kind of writing, like they're, they're just kind of thinkings or ruminations on, on particular areas of design or parts of the process. And, and sometimes in those there is a bit of a call to action for opinion or it just kind of emerges organically where people want to engage more with the kind of content that we're posting rather than just consuming it. So we kind of hope that the, the call, like people engage with the content just 
naturally, but sometimes it's basically a line down the middle of the room right now between Jen and I where <laughs> I think we should like ask people what they think or, you know, get them to kind of communicate with us a bit more. And Jen's like, no, like don't force the issue, just let it happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'm probably wrong the more that I think about it. So, um, because, I mean, this is the thing that we find quite interesting about what we do is that, you know, housing in particular is so relevant to everyone and you can see that in the way that real estate is such a prolific topic of conversation mm-hmm. at, you know, like every social event you go to as somebody in your mid to late 20s. And, um, all you know, of Never course, that's intertwined with all kinds of things and economics and social stuff and whatever. But it's also the fact that so many people measure their life and and kind of contain their life within their homes. And we just find it fascinating as architects that we don't talk about that more because it's something that hits people on such a sort of primal level. And so we're trying, we've started trying, this is like experimental trius right here, but we've started trying to talk about that more. So rather than, you know, keeping architecture in like the abstract echelons of, you know, awards Mm. and beauty and all that kind of thing, but to actually talk about the things that make good architecture and why it's important and and all that kind of stuff. And so, And also to remove that tendency with Instagram where you just sort of self-publicize. And that, that you know, again, that's something that we kind of debate. Like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're very particular about what we put up and it's all very, or hopefully considered and, you know, very nice to look at. And, you know, that's, there are, there are messy parts of the process and there is a lot of kind of self-editing that happens that we're not sure if that's actually really, you know, something that we should look at or consider a bit more. Mm. You know, I, we never, we never ever aim to be dishonest um, and we, you know, the content that we present clients is the content that we put on our Instagram. There's not this kind of filter that it all passes through on its way to, to social media um, to market it further. You know, it, it is honest, but it's like it's definitely we, we show the best bits. Um, say if, if it's the industry, like, you know, let's be honest, most people that follow architects are other architects and um, yeah. they maybe are genuinely curious about that side of the process. Yeah, it's just that neither, like, I'm, I'm seeing the two sort of sides of the argument and neither of those really feel like call to actions to me. They feel oh, like yes, more. Totally oh no, that's okay. That's okay. That's so okay. But I'm but I'm interested because okay. So basically, what I the kind of trend that I'm that I pick up on, and I think you guys do it too, and everybody does it, is you mm. give, give, give. You're just always giving, right. and then you're getting creative about okay, we're going to give in a different way than everyone else is giving. But you're just putting value out there for a very long time and never asking for anything in return. Not even thinking about it as a call to action because then you could start talking about engagement and those types of things. But just thinking, when do we actually ask to get something back? Have we gotten them to the point where we've just been giving them so much pleasure for such a long time that they're just so guilty? They feel like they owe us a house, uh, and now we're going to ask for th- we're going to ask for that back from them and say, right, you've had your you've had your three years of beautiful images once a week it. from Trias. Now it's uh, now we're coming back for you to return the favor. We need your house, you know, like that. Do you guys feel like that's something that in the future you would you would get more comfortable doing that kind of thing, or is your strategy to just give, 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 and then that sort of Jen's point almost like it will it may just happen naturally. I I think that's a super fascinating idea because it it comes along the lines of what a lot of architects moving into the twenty first century, or at least because I'm terrible with history, I'm just going to talk about the present. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I think that they're starting to do is which is self generating projects, right? Like that's not 
sitting twiddling your thumbs waiting for the call it's saying okay how do we um you know create a cooperative housing set of units or something like that that could be something that could really interestingly tie into that if you have enough of a kind of following and you need to generate funding or you need to just generate um i don't know something more tangible than just interest i guess Mm. is what you're talking Mm. about more than you just know, those hype. could be things that, yeah more than just hype over the the work that you're doing anyway yeah I, I guess you know for us like we kind of at the moment go for quality over quantity and i imagine to actually achieve that you might need a far kind of greater reach um than perhaps we have but that may come with time and if that did come we would probably want to leverage that in an interesting way so you're thinking kind of like a micro nightingale like it's uh, maybe on a really small scale with with the means that you have. Maybe we go, okay, we're interested in all kind of collaborating. We'd like to collaborate with our audience on putting this project together, but the kind of the terms are real. It's a real thing. Um, yeah, why not? Get, and get people to put their money where their mouth is. Absolutely. I mean, you could uh, you could definitely do that kind of thing. I'd still think that the most challenging one is going, okay, without actually varying the business model or the kind of work that we do, just doing the thing that we currently do now, that if somebody came to us and said, I would love you guys, I saw your cabin project, I'd absolutely love you to work on a cabin project for this block of land that I have in Copenhagen or something, you know, actually putting out a message to people and saying, if anyone here has a, has a block and they'd like us to do a cabin, come and come and talk to us. And that sounds so cringy, right? It does oh, it kind of feel like it's just like it's, it's an original ad, but we already have an audience that are interested mm. in what we're doing. So you're totally right. Like people might just mm. it is it is yeah. cringeworthy, but like we try and kind of, I, I know I try and shelve that that initial cringe reaction of like it's because it's like the high designer and you going like oh no 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 I'm oh no you're asking for work and, yeah yeah like I can't <laughs> ask for work like it needs to. People yeah. need to come for me, like just you know, yeah. <laughs> dreaming of it or whatever. But um, I don't know, Dave. Maybe we'll try it and let you know how it goes. How's that sound? <laughs> let's co- let's co- let's collaborate on it. Let's um. Ah, oh, yeah. Look, happen. we can we can help out with the copy of how you ask people for work. I, it's just like. I, I don't know. I feel like there's just so many people out there that would just be so many of the people that are watching watching your Instagram account. And the weird the weird thing is that I don't think that there's actually an on off in terms of someone being a consumer of your content and then being a client. I don't think they are not a client until one day they are. Um, I actually think that if you've got that influence with them and they they have that trust for you, then you may actually just be able to tip somebody just a little bit over the precipice and kind of perhaps even just like egg them on to be one. (laughs) You know, like I, I still think even in this sort of social media world, we still have the sense that we are like an architect in a phone book and there are people that are sitting around watching television until they decide they need one. So, they grab it out and they have a flip through and they find an architect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think if anything now, because we're involved in their life every single day, every time they open their phone, we're there during all of those kind of grey, I'm kind of looking for an architect moments. Yeah. And my feeling is that there would be a lot of good projects for a lot of good firms that would come if just slightly more often- um, in a balanced way with the amount of time that we're just giving without asking for anything. Mm. We're occasionally just asking to, you know, maybe just maybe just step over that line a little bit and come come talk to us. Let us know you exist. Um, and that's why I thought the engagement thing was a good idea because if you are just asking people to convert in terms of raise up your voice, stop being a silent kind of stalker of our firm, mm. And just say something to us so we can see your name and maybe see your photo. And if we're lucky, maybe get your email address. That might be what it is. Because I think there's a lot of architects that are um, 
creating content and pushing it out to this silent, invisible, uncritical crowd. And I find that really weird. When I look at the stats on this podcast and I see that 500 people downloaded it, and I got probably three or four positive emails and some and a tiny handful of comments. I'm thinking, what? Who are the other 494 people yeah, who are, yeah, who listen awesome. to this and they're never gonna they're never gonna come out of the woodwork? I mean, that's if if I was going on a next step with with your Instagram or with your social media, I'd be actually thinking about how do you start to know a bit more about the people who've been following you on this like incredibly long journey because a lot a lot of other architects are commenting and you know that you've got so much support from other emerging practices. Mm. Maybe I feel like you guys should have like a public event. I, I, re- I really think you should take over a bar or take over a restaurant. <laughs> I think, I think some, I think sometimes you should just go, you know, stuff the internet. Let's just get a town hall and, and just then try and convert your audience on the basis of let's all get together like a like a trius appreciation society <laughs> that- i love that but maybe maybe a different name um that, <laughs> yeah, that whole idea that it's kind of you know old school new school coming together i think is awesome and that you know that's definitely been our experience that you can you know use these sorts of things to an extent but they're also they're not magical in the sense that oh, yeah. the things that actually convert people and, and bring them over the line are, you know, the conversations you have with them and those sort of, you know, the, the things that are more, yeah, human and real. And well, it's talking to people. It's talking to people. It's actually, it's actually not rocket science. Like, it's, mm. you know, you've got to be proactive and get out there and engage. It's a great idea. It's so old school. It's like so old school, right? Like that, that yeah. idea of when you start a business, you have to start taking afternoons off so you can go to the like the local committees and stuff and just start oh, meeting people we, and schmoozing. We literally and- have like <laughs> an allocated percentage in our harvest. No, says, you have a schmooze. Schmooze timesheet. It's, it's just like it's also probably so we can like put catching up with people on work hours, but you know. Yeah, yeah, it's totally a way of you know formalizing that lunch meeting for tax purposes, um, <laughs> which is totally just pub lunch. I think it is interesting because I think that you know a lot of us are sort of trained in these ways without even realizing that we are, and that's something we've been trying really hard to unpick with our practice. But I think we're still getting there with certain things and. Um, those means of finding clients and engaging with people are definitely things that we're still sort of unraveling a bit from after, you know, years of watching other people do it in these very particular ways to actually go back and go, well, wait a second, it doesn't have to be like this. So that's why everything you're saying and suggesting is so refreshing and why I've really enjoyed, you know, listening to the podcast so far. It's just that sort of different way of addressing a problem or thinking about mm. something from its origins. That's where you can sort of find the opportunities sometimes. Well, I'm always sort of trying to figure it out for for myself as well as um, for my clients as well. Um, mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know all the answers and they don't and we're all kind of guessing and mm. there's no books oh, for sure. and there's like two websites on architecture and marketing and business and yeah. Um, I think people like um, is is Vanity Projects one of those websites? Is that, is that- <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's kind of kind of starting to be, but I've already kind of like lost interest in blogging. Like I, I think I lasted like three weeks before I just went. Nah, it's not very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so but- industries that you look to that you kind of go there's parallel between the way graphic designers are putting themselves forth in the world and architects or are there particular 
you know, service-based industries or design industries that you look at that are a little bit more, Mm. I don't know. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. Where I generally look for where we're heading next is kind of Silicon Valley um, tech startups that are across all different kinds of areas. Mm. And every single day I I check Product Hunt to see what the latest, you know, app or product is. And then I go on their website to find out, okay, this website was built yesterday. So, what is like July 5th's most up-to-date way of communicating something and then I look Mm -hmm. and see okay they're doing kind of interesting things this week so for example when they launch their website they also write a sort of 2,000 word story about why they built their business and and just you start to pick Mm -hmm. up on these things where somebody's going how do I get how do I do better this week than those things that launched quite publicly last week did Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's that rate of stuff coming out people and it's a it's largely a bubble but people are dozens and dozens of businesses just launching onto the world stage every day Mm. so they need to find extremely competitive ways to resonate with people whereas Mm. architecture very slow very very slow business architecture firms don't pop up every day projects projects do but Mm. um there, yeah, uh, yeah. So for an individual firm, yeah, after after years, um, but there isn't that sense that something was really cutting edge last Tuesday, and now today is Wednesday or Thursday, and we have to then up that. Like there, there isn't that competitiveness and that rivalry because the work just is so widespread, so far apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really interested in the industries that are or that are similar or exactly the same. I'm always interested in the ones that are a little bit like the opposite, and we could grab little things that that they do, and it it might it might help with what we do. And then if only like half of one percent of firms do it, I feel like they're at a massive advantage because most firms, a lot of firms, don't need to. They mm. they they just don't need to. I think some of them are so entrenched they have such good word of mouth. And I'm mostly interested in just kind of emerging firms who are yeah. basically in their in their parents' basements <laughs> until, <laughs> until like they start getting, you know, start really turning up in the awards or start turning up in um, Houses Magazine. And, and that seems to be the kind of path. But I, I feel like there's, a, what do you guys Out think? Interest? Do you sort of, do you sort of see other firms um, that are in their early thirties, like mid to late twenties and go, wow, they are really doing getting this happening for them in a different way because i i mean i look at i look at some cool firms like you know room 11 addition addition office those kind of those kind of guys and Mm. it still seems like you're really cool on instagram and then your projects start getting a look in at the magazines Mm. and the journalists start taking an interest and then it just kind of snowballs a little bit from then and then i think you can kind of jump from doing really cool things everyone's interested in the energy and the design and then all of a sudden it takes on this really serious tone i think it still largely depends on magazines to give it credibility and i'd i'd be really interested to see and i think a, a big part of the reason i kind of push with the internet marketing stuff is i think well maybe somebody can just make smart decisions um maybe even put money into the way they amplify their work so that more people see it and then actually go out more like a media company and kind of compete with the people who have been the sort of gatekeepers of success for a lot of firms. Uh, I think it's within everybody's power to just to kind of compete with them and take away some of the attention away from those magazines and places 
and sort of just give it to your own work. But I think that the sacrifice of that is that you'd be doing it the wrong way if you just spoke about yourself because Mm -hmm. that's not actually becoming a media company. That's just becoming General Motors, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, I don't don't know if that sort of feels like... Does that just seem like incompatible with like the way that we the way that we kind of are doing architecture that that new emerging firms are kind of doing it at the moment, or do you think there's like some possibility for that kind of thing that someone just goes totally vice media and mm. is just a bunch of rebellious young people who mm. somehow just go f- go phenomenally big? Well, it's something. I mean, it's something we've actually talked about a bit in the studio. This whole idea that um, you know that that does seem to be the trajectory again for sort of um, getting published or making your way up to getting bigger or more ambitious work or more um, ambitious clients, that sort of thing. But then there is this sort of entire bracket of young emergent practices who are often, you know, very dedicated, very clever, very. Mm. Um, willing to sort of take risks and all this kind of stuff. And we have these conversations all the time of there's also all these clients out there who maybe don't have a million bucks and don't have Mm. um, the world's most beautiful sites on the coast or whatever. And why don't they get to have architecture too? I think once we start publishing our projects, we'll be really keen to see if we can create either alternative media or publish in alternative sources that maybe start to reach some of those people or tell those stories in a slightly different way so that maybe people who wouldn't think that they could engage in architecture um, that it would be something that would you know fit within their lifestyle or budget or whatever it is might actually go well there are people out there who I might be able to work with or you know I might be able to make something happen with we're quite interested in that end of things um, and so maybe there are sort of opportunities to um, publish or advocate or to, you know, set things up that allow for that. Us at Trias, we're really big advocates for sort of playing to our strengths and, yeah. you know, you sort of wish that there was somebody doing it and then you could just be off doing the good work, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like we need more champions on the sidelines. Mm. We need more champions with, and then we need more people who are actually willing to be on the sidelines and mm. are happy to advocate not just for themselves but for everyone or for others yeah. as well. And we yeah. would love to be those people, but then the day-to-day is so busy that yeah. sort of time, energy, money, but like, that old holy on a On a kind of macro, like, 10-year mm. viewpoint of it, like, you, I mean, you guys aren't retiring anytime soon. Like, you're going to oh, be, yeah. you're going to be triacing <laughs> up till, like, 2073. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, so- oh, no, that's a horrifying <laughs> Johnny's just, like, slashed his golfing years. My God. Golfing, <laughs> just go surfing. <laughs> so there's like a lot of time. I, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm looking down the down the barrel of like a, a long ass life and thinking, oh, yeah. you know, it's like uh, oh, we'll get there. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll I mean, you could, you could you could you could yeah. take that you could take that kind of long term perspective and go, okay, we'll just try and be a little bit champion today, just a little bit, like from nine to nine eighteen in the morning. We'll try and be like industry champions, yeah. Um, yeah. and it will add up in this really like cumulative way over the course yeah. of fifty years. Um, yeah. And yeah. there's, there's definitely a kind of slightly hilarious discord in our office between some of our, our patients in terms of um, ambition to kind of, you know, influence change and say the, actually the pace at which we design, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, we're definitely very keen to kind of get moving and to, which is why we always get excited when a new podcast like your one comes up or, um, 
you know, the new Architects one is so fantastic. Oh, so um, great. So good. It's so oh good. It's so they good, but when's, so it gonna, when's there going to be more of it? So my idea was that, like, I would be, like, the uh, the preseason, you know, like, oh, between, so in between the seasons of The Architects because I'm not sure when they're going to do another, like, 12 episodes. Um, so it's seasonal, and then they just dump it. It's seasonal. It so they binge. just Netflix dumped it, like, on a single day oh, so no, you could, like, binge listen it, and then you left, you left hanging the next day, like, on the cliffhanger going, oh, I wonder, you know, whether Jon Snow lives or dies. Like, that's what kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that's what kind of happened. And, um, but I, I was wondering, like, because it seemed like it was really well produced and put together and maybe that they would just kind of keep on doing it. Um, but I didn't, it got like a couple of weeks later and I was thinking, oh, shit, no one's going to make, no one's going to do a podcast or keep this thing going because I just really liked hearing the voices of these architects for like oh, the first time. Such good voices too. Oh, I know such good voices. Such um, good voices. What they said was also very Yeah, I mean insightful. also great. But <laughs> oh, it was really it was really, really <laughs> good. The, just the tone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the radio smoothness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah, it um, is interesting because some of them do um, some architects really do have a hidden public um, the PR skills. And yeah. you would you'd never normally go about it kind of knowing that because they just they, they make architecture and they get photos of it and they're really, really good projects and they end up on the internet and things. But um, you, you really, there's not a lot of TV shows about architects or there's not too much like interviews type stuff unless somebody's really, really important. They're not getting an interview and there just isn't a whole bunch of coverage. And then also Instagrams, nobody shows themselves. People are pretty limited in what they write. There's not a lot of blogs. Mm-hmm. Nobody has YouTube channels. Nobody uses Twitter. Mm. So, we're very, very private, private people. Mm. And going back to that thing you are mentioning, Jenny, about how it's about the fundamental kind of quintessential experience Mm. of what it is like to have a home and these kinds of things. These are very, very personal topics to people. Mm. Um, And they, I think they expect a real level of sort of trust and engagement with whoever the architect is and that idea that I that person yeah. the old school media forms have kind of um i shouldn't say old, old school because i do love print but you mm. know why they there's a lot of trust placed in them they some mm. a lot of people have gone to often greater expense now as it's becoming less and less maybe financially viable to have kind of um these kinds of businesses but so people kind of there's a vetting process that they see that's already happened um mm. which is Nothing really against Arc Daily, but it's just like I never look at it anymore because it's just a dump after yeah. dump after dump of projects. It's just an RSS feed of rubbish, right? Yeah, yeah it's and, really. And, and there's actually some gems littered throughout there, but you just can't possibly filter through that. Like no potential client mm. would ever go, oh, I'm going to check out Arc Daily, you know, projects in Australia to, mm. to see if I can find my architect. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe they would. Mm. Whereas um, we all know of a myriad of examples where someone goes and picks up a houses magazine and flicks through it and mm. says, all right, you'll, you'll do. Um, and, and, and anyone that has gone through that vetting process that is then published would do a great job and, and, and kind of build a great home. So I guess for us, it's like it'll be interesting to see if we do do a kind of slightly Frankenstein-style thing where we're trying to combine some kind of newer forms of media, um, trying to take agency and, and get more engaged in you know communicating our content directly mm-hmm. um, rather than, say, mm-hmm. paying for marketing or, or kind of yeah. um, at the, you know, whether or not our project's deemed good enough to be published in print. Um, so it's kind of yeah i'll be interested to see how how we kind of pursue that in the the next couple of years it's going to be interesting to watch i don't think you guys are going to have any problem getting published like a ridiculous amounts like <laughs> <every> <laughs> thank single- you <laughs> well, I, I don't know because i think 
uh, obviously like and especially listening to the architects podcast they were they were really talking about how the photo how important the photography is mm. and the the images i mean they just can't publish a project that just has mediocre or slightly above average quality photos they need to be perfect because they're sitting up against the best of the best and obviously just from a graphic design and layout perspective mm. needs to be super strong i mean i i don't know the, the kind of attentiveness that you guys have to graphic design and publishing comes through because the images of especially on your instagram account i mean they they just look like they sit in a really nice coffee table book <laughs> and <laughs> no, all like or like a really, really cool magazine from, you know, um, somewhere in Europe that everyone's impressed with and is like 35 euros for, for a copy. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, Total so, kinfuck moments. Oh, absolutely. So, I, I feel like, yeah, I think like there's a lot of publishers just going, oh, let's just hope that there's a really good story behind this work, <laughs> you know, because... Because you just have you just have to have that in your magazine. Because I mean, so much of the stuff that you guys have is is renders, which is just crazy to me. The crazy renders. I can't I can't believe the renders that you guys are doing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to talk fresh stuff. And um, yeah, we're keen to be pushed. Obviously, you are as well, and that's what's um. You know, well, also just to have more of these strange. conversations where it's yeah. it's open and it's out there, and we kind of all get to share. <laughs> Yeah. We're all figuring it out. I know that sounds nice, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, it needs to happen more. As yeah. you say, we're also like introverted or something. Yeah, it, that's it. I want to break through that kind of introversion a little bit and be like, okay, if you put, um, if you put the two of you guys into Google now, this is what will come up and you can listen to it and you can, okay. yeah, I know, <laughs> a little scary. But no, look, honestly, I think anyone who's listening to this would, would kind of, um, kind of thinking like, oh, the, you know, these guys are not fucking around when it comes to this patient, meticulous, thing and and not every architect that you interview would read that way like it would be complete apples and oranges so i think what you guys are what you guys actually do when you're kind of made a little bit more public your personalities is you go oh it makes a lot of sense that they make the work they do it yeah that's true and and i like i like the work and now i find out that they're actually like that too they're not just kind of on some you know flavor of the month they're just actually doing it, it sounds like it's right on it sounds like it's you know fit for them um and it, and it, i think it confirms and it's a, it's like the instagram account we're talking about it's in addition to it's like i saw you voice. i saw your project or in the magazine yeah. whatever but mm. then i saw your instagram and it just kind of tipped me into i'm getting a consistent sense that they're serious about this that they're not just you know some image that i've picked up um when so many no one's ima- ever accused us of being too lighthearted. i can tell you that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's yeah. I, I, I'm looking for a sensory deprivation cabin. I think. I think <laughs> have I come to the right place? <laughs> I, get, I, get, That's awesome. I get that. I get that real feeling that like you guys must get some really mellow clients, <laughs> like super mellow, or, or maybe maybe they're kind of like um, really high frequency Wall Street stockbrokers or something, and they need the absolute opposite, which is like the kind of monastic retreat. Yeah, you- <laughs> it's interesting. We've had a bit of both, actually. Had a bit yeah. of both. We've had yeah people that have um, you know done the corporate life or something, and um, yeah, we're like the, the calming life. influence or something like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is which is crazy because they're like you know 35, 40 years older than us. <laughs> so yeah, weird. we get like mistaken for their children on site. It's pretty funny. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no, it's all part of fun. 
Well, Johnny and Jenny, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, Is there anything you guys would like to plug or anything, you know, call to action you'd like anybody who's listening to come and do for you? Follow you on Instagram maybe or? Oh, yeah, definitely. Come follow us on Instagram. We are at trius.studio. Trius.studio. Please heavily edit this, Dave. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's going to be drastic. Don't worry about that. We'll get it down to a solid 14 minutes. (laughs) I always say this to any, any, um, any other young architects who are around. Um, if you ever come through Sydney, send us an email and we're always happy to grab a beer or to catch up. We're always very keen to meet like-minded people. And we really love the kind of spirit of fraternity, fraternity and, um, collegiate atmosphere that's developing kind of in different cities and across the country. And, um, yeah, we're we're very very envious of the vibe in Melbourne. Yeah, we get so jealous. Foster so we're trying to foster it in Sydney. <laughs> we need to. Right. Anyway, great so to chat, the, Dave. So the call, the call to action is everybody move to Sydney <laughs> and come, yes. Sydney, come start a yes. community. Call us and grab a beer and come to our community hall party that we will one day have. <laughs> All right. Thanks, rename. guys. <laughs> All right. See you, Dave. See you. Good chat. Bye.